Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. To the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Fourth chapter. Of the book of Hebrews. I haven't taught the subject of faith itself for a long time. Too long, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so we will entitle the beginning of this seminar. Um, Whatever you want to call it, it's the beginning. I will only introduce to you the subject this morning. Time will not permit us to teach the whole subject. But we'll call it the message of faith. The reason why uh, I'm led to call it the message of faith is because people have so downed the faith message and have misunderstood what it's really saying, that it's almost hard to hear somebody even call it the faith message. I've never heard that until I started to get amongst Pentecostals. When I first got saved, it wasn't to me any message. It was only the gospel. And when I first started to walk in it, and great and wondrous things took place in our lives, there was no title to it. It was only the gospel. But then when I started to become acquainted with those that were involved in Pentecost and involved in full gospel, I found out that they entitled it and tagged the, the name The Faith Message on it. And I said, well, what do you mean, The Faith Message? Well, you know, anybody that believes in The Faith Message. Well, I said, if you don't believe in The Faith Message, then you're not saved. The Bible clearly states, for by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. If you don't believe in the message of faith, you're not saved. So either somebody distorted it, amen, and started to say that it's saying something that it's not saying, or somebody doesn't understand it. And because of it, Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 is applied to their lives. Fourth chapter, verses 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem, to, should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. In them that heard it. But the word preached, the gospel preached to them, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You mean the gospel can be preached and yet it will not profit? I believe that's easily seen in our circles today. Everybody's just, you know, wondering why God's not answering their prayers. Everybody's wondering why they're not getting their needs met. Everybody wants to know why, you know, it seems like they're not getting their petitions answered. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. That if you call upon me, I won't answer you. And if you cry out unto me, I will not hear you. It doesn't say that, does it? But the gospel says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in His Son. And when someone comes along preaching that, I've learned to believe and found out that he's called a fanatic. He's called an extremist. He thinks you can have all your prayers answered. 
Well, bless God, the fellow that said it was Jesus. Wasn't he fanatical? Wasn't he extreme in his teaching? Extreme Jesus. I mean, if you want to get extreme, Jesus said in John 14, 12, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, you believe on Jesus? You believe on Jesus? The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, he was an extreme teacher. And I like to pick up right on his extremism and flow right on with the tide. Amen? Amen. Now, notice that the Scripture says right over here in verse 2 that the gospel that was preached them did not profit them because they did not mix faith with it. The word that was preached did not profit because there was no faith mixed with that word. Now, Paul said in Romans, the first chapter, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation. That word is an all-inclusive word, and it means salvation, healing, deliverance, soundness, preservation, wholeness. It's all-inclusive. And Paul said, the gospel is the power of God unto deliverance, salvation, healing, preservation, soundness, etc. That's what the gospel is. But the gospel did not profit them. And we better fear lest the promise of us entering into the fullness, the blessings, we seem to come short of it because they didn't mix faith with it. And beloved, the same gospel that we have that Paul preached is called the word of faith. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Isn't that what he said? The gospel, which is the word of faith, will not profit us Unless we mix faith with that which is preached. Faith must be mixed with the gospel. Otherwise, we are hearers of the word and not doers. Look what he said here in that last part. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Yeah, they heard it. And they heard it. And they heard it. But when it came time to act upon it, they didn't mix faith with it. And even though they heard it, they did not profit. And it did not profit them. Well, this subject of faith then seems to be very important. And uh, if you ask me, I believe that without faith, you will not enter into the fullness of what Jesus has provided for you at Calvary. I don't care if you hear this gospel over and over and over and over and over and over and over having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, if you do not mix faith with the gospel, it will be to no avail. But listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you don't mix faith with this gospel, the work of Christ is to no avail. Step number one. If you don't mix faith with the gospel of salvation, Christ died in vain for you. If those marks in His hands were not for you, you have not eternal life. If that crown of thorns and the beings whippings upon his back and all that he suffered was not for you because you have failed to mix faith with it, then the gospel of salvation will not profit you. You will not be saved. But on the other hand, if you have mixed faith with what you heard about this great Son of God, this omnipotent One, this Almighty One, if you mix faith in what He did for you, then blessed be God, it'll profit you. You'll be born again. You will have eternal life. But you see, that's not all that was promised us. Some will not even enter into that promise. But blessed be God, that promise is not only of eternal life, it's the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. It's the promise of having the Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ coming into us and making their abode within us. Jesus said... 
He that loveth me will keep my word, and the Father will come unto him, and I will come unto him, and will manifest ourselves unto them, and will live within them. And the Holy Ghost will come and teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. But, without mixing faith with it, it's to no avail. Faith is very important. I'll show you how important it is. Number one, in Ephesians 2 and 8, you don't have to turn to it. Write it down if you want to take notes. It is impossible for us to be saved without faith. In Ephesians 2 8, For by grace are you saved through what? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and verse 7, we find out that we walk by faith and not by sight. The song our brother sang is so appropriate. I don't walk by what I see, but I realize that God has provided a way for me. He's provided it, and it's the way of faith. It's the way of His Word. Not only is the believer after he gets saved to walk by faith, the just, in Romans the first chapter again, 17, the just must live by faith. You can't be saved without it. You can't walk without it. You can't live without it. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of... You can't fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. But take unto you the whole armor of God and above all, the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Not one of them, all of them. The shield of faith. And of course, last but not least, there are many, many more, but last... I believe to be five most important things a believer cannot do without faith. And this one is heart-throbbing. Hebrews 11.6 You cannot please God without faith. You can't please Him. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So just to introduce to you some of the great things faith will allow us to enter into, I believe those first five Scriptures that we've quoted to you should be sufficient to get everybody digging diligently, digging deep, searching for Him, seeking Him with all your heart, and to understand how faith works. So that we can... Well, look at the blessings they didn't enter into. Notice he was not talking about this gospel. He was talking about previously. He was talking about the Israelites and the gospel that was preached unto them. And thank God it's the same gospel, but we got a new covenant. Amen? We've got a brand new covenant established upon better promises. He said over here, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us. Well, the promise that they had was a great promise. But the Bible says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Now, they didn't enter into those promises because of lack of faith, because of not understanding faith, not mixing faith with the gospel. But we've got far better promises than, than what they had. But look at their promises. I don't know why we can't see this clearly, but look at the promises in the, in the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter. And let's begin reading with verse 20. In the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter, verse 20, we find out that God is unveiling through the prophet Moses His intention for His people. He has it all worked out for them that they're going to enter into a promised land. And when they get there, certain promises will be awaiting them when they get there. In verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. He's prepared a place for them. Jesus said, I've prepared a place for you. God has prepared a place for us, the Father God, right now in this life, right here. He's prepared a place for us to walk in 
It's called abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. It's called dwelling in God and God dwelling in you. Amen. Now, he says here, Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies and an adversary unto your adversaries. When God is an enemy to your enemies, and when God is an adversary to your adversaries, it means your enemies and your adversaries have no power and no chance to destroy you. That's what he said he would be to them. We have entered into the promised land. It's called an inheritance in the saints in life. If we dwell in that land, then the Father God has become an enemy to our enemies, an adversary to our adversaries. But that's not enough. He wasn't satisfied with just, just that. He would only say, For my angels shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I'll cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Now listen. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread. That's a provision. That's a promise. He'll bless your bread and your water. The two necessary sustainers of life, bread and water. I will bless your bread and water. Adam, I have cursed the ground because of your sin. But bless God, he said, now I'll bless your bread and your water. And the land that you enter into shall be a land flowing with milk and honey. The ground won't be cursed where you're at. It might be where they're at, but where you're at, it will not be cursed. It shall give forth and bud. Amen. Let's go on. Not only did he say he'd do that, you underline this in your Bible. Underline it. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Post it to your refrigerator. Do anything that you think you can do it, to do it to let it not depart from your eyes. Look at what the promise was to them. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. He didn't say, I'll heal you. He says, I'll take sickness and remove it from your midst. Well, that's pretty good, except for we have a better covenant established upon better promises. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Then, 26, there shall nothing cast their young. There will not be a miscarriage. Male, female, there's none of them that will be barren, unable to produce child. There will be no miscarriages and even animal. That's what he's talking about. And he goes on to say, you can, you can look it up for yourself, Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7, chapter and verse 15. You can read it for yourself. And he went on to say, nor be barren in thy land the number of thy days. Long life will I fulfill in your life. Beloved, these are the promises they didn't enter into. That sounds like a shouting grounds. I mean, you'd be ready to jump up and down and just say, glory be to God, hallelujah. I mean, if you was, you know, Pentecostal back then, you'd be so excited and you'd be jumping up and down and just worshiping God and saying, no sickness, no disease in this land. Bless my bread and bless my water. He's an adversary to my adversaries. He's an enemy to my enemies. Blessed be God. Jehovah is on the throne and He's reigning in my life. He's reigning in my heart. And all i got to do is just enter into the promise that He's made for me. Walk in there by faith and take hold of my land. And my promise, and just dwell in there. But you can hear the Spirit of God whispering and saying, but they wouldn't enter in. They didn't enter in. And you say, why, Father, didn't they enter in? Because the promise I left them didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith with it. Because they didn't mix faith with it. How important is the subject of faith? It's so important that the gospel being preached will not profit us if we don't mix faith with it. Because one of the things you see around you are dictating to you that God can't do it. When it looks like the enemy's going to overcome you and overtake you, and it looks like God can't do it. And it looks like the giants in the land are greater and far bigger than your Father God. And, and you say, it just doesn't look like God can do it. But the man of faith stands in the face of all these things like a Joshua and like a Caleb and says, the God whom we serve is well able to put us over. 
Let's not stand before the enemy and say we can't do it, but bless God, let's go in and possess the land, for we are well able and they're bred to us. Blessed be God. And you'll have the same testimony that Caleb had when he says, Oh, bless God, 45 years have come and gone. I'm now 85 years old. And but bless God, he said, I have wholly followed the Lord. And as my strength was when I was 40, so is my strength now that I'm 85. I am well able to possess my mountain. And I'm going in and taking the land. Blessed be God. And he was delivered unto him his promise. Joshua entered in. Caleb entered in. There were the only two that mixed faith with the gospel. That's all. That's all. Not only did they not get the promise, the rest of them, but also they died young in the wilderness because they did not mix faith with the gospel. Now you say, I don't believe in that faith message. Neither did they. I said, neither did they. So we better find out what the message of faith really is. And everybody I've ever talked to, I find out that really they believe it. It's just that they don't have a full understanding of it, but they believe it. They believe it. They believe it to a certain extent. But when you try to show them more, it's like, you know, cement. Their heads are thoroughly set, well mixed and thoroughly set. Just can't seem to get it in there. But blessed be God, I know no one here is like that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pursue the subject of faith. We're going to teach it as it should be taught. We're going to show the ins and the outs of faith. We're going to teach people how to get their faith to a place that you can have the gospel profiting in your life. Your daily life. Walking with God daily, hand in hand. Knowing that He is the enemy to your enemies and the adversary to your adversaries. And knowing that He has provided a way that sickness and disease could be taken away. And has been taken away through Jesus Christ from the midst of us. Well, let's go and turn in our Bibles to the book of Romans, the 10th chapter. And let's begin our study on the subject, the great subject of faith. You say, you're just going to start it? You've already been preaching for a half an hour. You're just going to start it? Well, if we finish it within six months, I'll be surprised. It'll be coming out your ears by the time we're done. You say, what will that do for me? It'll make the gospel profit you. I mean to tell you, I was very, you know, simple when I came to the Lord. I was not indoctrinated. I didn't know anything that people did or did not believe. I didn't know who was considered to be, you know, don't go that way. Those are the fanatical people. They believe the faith message. And don't listen to these because they don't believe in speaking in other tongues. And don't go that way because this. And don't go that way because of that. All I was was just a brand new, born again Christian that had a Bible in my hand. And read where Jesus said in some scriptures, in Mark 11, 23 and 24, John 15 and 7, you know, right on through all the scriptures, John 14, 12 through 14 and 15, John 16, 23 and 24, all these wonderful scriptures that Jesus was just falling from the lips of the Master. I remember when I first began reading in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, lock it shall be opened unto you, to him ask and receive, him and seek and find, him and lock it shall be opened unto him. And I said, Glory to God, I'm getting in line, blessed be God, thank you Lord, I believe every bit of it. I believe every word of it. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus forever. I believed all that. And I just started going, you know, at a hop, skip, and a jump. And then before you know it, I began to run. I mean, I just began to run. But I still didn't know that no one believed this. And no one believed that. And no one believed this. And don't get caught up in that. And so I just started to just do what the Bible said to do. Before you know it, I was talking in tongues. And before you know it, when they said my wife couldn't have kids, we had kids. And before you know it, when someone told me that God didn't heal, my children were healed. My wife was healed. I was healed. My daughter was healed. And it was all because of faith. That someone else was trying to tell me later on that that's not true. None of this stuff that you're saying is true. I thank God that I didn't know that they, that they believed like that. And that's why I believe we need to understand it in greater depth. And I believe you need to be introduced to it in such a way that the gospel will profit you 
and benefits you. And you too can walk with the Master and have great and wondrous things happen in your life because of the truth of God's Word. In the 10th chapter in verse 8, But what saith it? The Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Now I want you to notice where it's at. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The word saved that you see there, circle it. Infers the same definition that is used in Romans where it says, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Here we find out that thou shalt be saved. He talks about it being the power of God and the salvation, but now he is telling you how to appropriate the word of faith. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But the gospel did not profit them that did not mix faith with it. But what saith thee? The word is nigh thee. In thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believeth, not the head. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So salvation then comes by appropriating and mixing faith with the gospel. I want to say a very important, make a very important statement about faith that everybody at the sound of my voice needs to know. The message of faith that I am about to give and teach is primarily for your personal use first. Listen. He said, Thou shalt be saved. If you will confess and believe in your heart, you will be. You will be. I see a danger in the lives of people. What they do is, they hear something about faith, they hear how it works, they understand a little bit of it, and they take off and run, and they try to tell everybody else, if you'll just say and believe. If you'll just say and believe. Oh, don't say you're sick, just say you're healed. If you'll just say and believe. Don't say this, say this. And they go off and tell everybody what they're supposed to be saying and not saying. And before you know it, they're out there trying to say something that they don't understand or believe in their heart, and it's not working for them. And they say, why is it working for me? Beloved, you have got to believe it in your heart, and you have got to say it with your mouth, and it will work for you. Give that person the opportunity to find that out for himself. How many people have you ever said, well, you know, just say this prayer with me and you'll be saved. And you find no fruit. Oh, they said it because mama. Or they said it because of uh, sister. Or they said it because of so-and-so. They said it because of so-and-so. And you find out later on, they're not really born again, are they? You say, but they said the prayer. Well, they may have said the prayer, but they didn't say that prayer from their heart. They may have said they believed, but they didn't believe from their heart. You see, this is not a magic formula. This is not something that's just going to happen just because you said it once. This is not something that's going to take place in your life because somebody else told you not to say you're sick. But this is going to happen because you as an individual... You read Hebrews 11.6, and it says, Without faith I cannot please my Father. My Father God. I must come to Him and seek Him diligently with all my heart. And when I do, then He will be a rewarder to me. What will my reward be? What you've believed and what you're saying. When you're seeking the Father God with all your heart to be your healer, your reward will be, you will be healed. I have never, never seen in my life a person that from their heart had believed and sought to seek God for salvation. I mean with their heart that He never saved. 
I've seen those that came and just did it for somebody else and walked away with nothing. And you say, why didn't they get it? They said the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with any other subject of the Bible. They may have came to that altar and prayed or said something, but their heart wasn't in it. Somebody probably pinched them in the back and said, get up there. You know what I mean? Or somebody says, you know, we want... I find this true in a lot of cases when people want to get married. Either the guy's not saved or the woman's not saved and they come in, you know, and they want you to counsel with them and talk to them about salvation, about marriage. And, you know, you say as a, as a full gospel minister, well, you, you know, you can't get married unless you're saved. Or I won't marry you unless you're saved. And one or the other will just make the choice. Well, if, if that's what it takes, then I'll just go ahead and do whatever has to be done. And they don't make a commitment to the Lord. And they're not really born again. And they don't give their lives unto the Lord. And they don't dedicate their and consecrate their entire life unto God. And they don't come to Him and make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. All they do is just say some words that mean nothing. It didn't. Faith comes out of every fiber of your being inside of you, drawn unto God. And when you look to God with all your heart, His answer is forthcoming. Amen. He said, when you seek me with all your heart, then you will find me. And that's how faith works, beloved, with all your heart. It's got to come out of the heart. We found out it's so important that Paul said this is the principle of salvation. This is how to appropriate faith for salvation. You must believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died. Believing, being a verb, is an action word. You say you believe, but did not act. I say you didn't believe. You say you believe in Jesus, but you've not made Him Lord and Savior. You don't believe. Amen. It denotes action. You must act upon that. It means you must come to Him with all your heart. You must give your life unto Him. That's what it means to believe. You act upon what you believe. Act it out. And when you act upon what you believe, and, and you say you believe, salvation is on its way. Amen. See, faith works out of your heart. And when anybody appropriates faith out of the heart and then releases it through the mouth, the answer is on its way. It's always coming. You say, can you be so sure? Well, let's find the guy that introduced us to this faith walk. Let's go to the book of Mark. The 11th chapter. Now, I've heard it said that those that teach faith only take a few scriptures and pull them out of context. And use a few scriptures just to say that you can believe God for whatever you need. Well, I want you to follow me in a few scriptures. Let's say a lot of scriptures. I want you to realize who is speaking and saying these words. And then I want your analysis. Are they taken out of scripture, uh, scripture out of context? Are they removed from their setting? Or is the, the writer inferring that the, that the person that's speaking has taught us a lesson about a certain subject? In Mark's Gospel, the 11th chapter, let's begin reading here at verse, I believe it is 14. Law well, 12. Let's start with 12. And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, to the tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the table of the money changers and of the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when the even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember it, saith unto him, 
Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. More literally, I've got my Greek interlinear in my office, which I believe any one of you can go back and see it. More literally, it says, have the God kind of faith. Or, have the faith of God. May I ask, who is the one that is teaching this? Jesus. Jesus is saying, have faith in God. Have the faith of God. We have both. And he says, this is how it works. In verse 23. For verily I say unto you, for verily Jesus says unto us, that whosoever shall say, shall what? Whosoever shall what? Unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his what? But shall believe that those things which he what? What are the things that you say? Words. But if you shall believe that those things which you saith shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you believe it. Huh? Didn't it say believe it? Now, wait a minute. What does it say? You shall have whatsoever you want. Who wrote that scripture? I ask you one question. Is it true or not? Is it true or not? He said, if you believe in your heart, doubt not in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever, not you believe it, but whatsoever you say it. He has used the word say in, its, in different forms three times. If you'll say to the mountain, don't doubt in your heart. Believe what you say will happen and what you say will come to pass. And verse 24, we can't stop there. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, for better and clear reference and understanding, I have just inserted a little thought that I believe is very explanatory, and I believe it's right in line with the Scriptures. And I've put this inside these, this Mark 11:24, just so that you can better, get a better, clear understanding of what he's saying. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, believe that you receive them in its invisible form. Believe that you receive them in its invisible form. And you shall have them in its visible form. I believe that I receive salvation and Christ into my heart. That's invisible. But you know, one day it's not going to be invisible. One day I'll have it in its visible form. That's faith. But I believe I received it now. This is the law of faith. It doesn't stop there either. Verse 25. Look at it. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. For the life of me, I don't know how anybody can not say that according to these scriptures, Jesus is teaching us that your prayers will not work if you got aught in your heart. Your prayers won't be to be of no avail if you're holding aught in your heart against anybody or if you have unforgiveness in your heart. He's saying your faith won't work. Your prayers will not be answered. I can give you many testimonies along this line how people did not get their prayers answered because they had aught in their heart. But the moment they got the aught out of their heart, they were healed or delivered or set free. Now, the fellow that wrote this it's called Jesus. He says this is the law of faith. And if you look at Romans, the third chapter, you'll find out that Paul took off on the same thing 
And he calls faith a law. In Romans, the third chapter, verse 27. Like I said, I'm only going to introduce you to some of these scriptures. I'm not begun or going to begin, just beginning to talk on the subject of faith. It needs to be understood. Now, in the third chapter of the book of Romans, he says in verse 27, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Faith is a supernatural law. We have got laws that govern electricity. We have got natural laws that produce results. We have got mathematical laws that, if appropriated and applied, will give you the mathematical result. Amen? Law is a... Faith is a supernatural law when properly applied and appropriated, when all the things that have to be met are met, when all the conditions are met and applied and appropriated, the law of faith will produce results. When that fellow comes with all his heart and believes in his heart on the Lord Jesus and calls upon the name of the Lord with his mouth and confesses Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father, that supernatural law of faith will produce the greatest miracle known to the human race. He will be born again. There is not another law in the universe that can stop that law from working. Not if it's appropriated. But blessed be God, and I don't know why, beloved, why have we stopped at one benefit of the gospel? Why have we one or two Praise God, we got filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was faith that got us filled with the Holy Ghost. Same way, you believed in your heart, you received the Holy Ghost, and you spoke in other tongues. But David said in the 103rd Psalm, Forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities. Praise God. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. You should be exercising your faith for God to redeem your life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies your mouth with good words. That your youth, your strength may be renewed like the eagles. And blessed be God, if there was anybody I knew whose strength was renewed like the eagles, it was that old fellow Caleb. Forty-five years old, later, eighty-five years old, the fellow says, I am just as strong and ready to do battle right now as I was when I was forty. He says, and the reason why is because I follow God with all my heart. And his mouth was filled with good words. You know what those words were? I'm able to take the land. The giants may be in the land. But blessed be God, my God is far greater than the giants. I'm going in and taking the land. And saints, he took his mountain and he got it. There was only two that understood the message of faith. Joshua and Caleb. Think about it. They inherited the promise. They got the blessings of God. Now, if we're trying to say that the message of faith is not a supernatural law and cannot work for anything except salvation, then we are refuting everything that Jesus taught. We might as well take the 11th chapter of Mark's gospel and rip it out of our Bible and discard it and get rid of it. Because in his teaching, and if someone call it extreme, Jesus did not say, that whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and doubt not in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith, only applies to being born again or being filled with the Spirit. Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall say, whatsoever you shall doubt not, whatsoever you can believe God for will be done, if you believe it and if you say it. That's what he meant. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them first, then you shall have them. And that's why he said in John 15, 7, if you abide me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Not what God wills, ask what you will. 
How personal is he to us? That we can actually know him so well, we can ask what we will, shall be done unto us. Now, this is just the message of faith. These are truths that have to be dug into, understood. Jesus said you've got to understand it, you've got to receive it, you've got to act upon it, you've got to keep it in your heart, it'll produce fruit, it'll bring forth manifestations. Well, there is no manifestation of God. There is no faith. God is a faith God. And when somebody has faith in the Almighty God, just as Joshua looked up and called upon Him from his heart, the sun stood still. Just as Moses, crying out unto God, said, What are we going to do now? And the Father God said to him, You've got the rod, use it. That's the word. You've got the rod, Moses, use it. He used that rod, and the Red Sea was parted. I said, Where there's faith, there is a manifestation of God in your midst. Where there's faith in one individual's heart, the Father God will go over a thousand people to get to that one to show himself mighty and strong in the behalf of that person. Now, I'll give an example. I said earlier that basically the faith message or the message of faith is designed for individual use. First, primarily, it's for your salvation. It's for, we, we try to believe for everybody else and their brother. I can't believe for you to get for your salvation. You know how easy it would be if I could say, Father God, I believe I'm born again. And I also believe that everybody else in my family is born again. And so that means they're all going to heaven. But I can't believe for their salvation. I could believe that God will save them. I could believe that I could break the powers of darkness so that they can come to Jesus and be saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I can't receive their salvation for them, can I? They must receive it for themselves. But yet people try to receive healing for their sisters and their brothers and their family. You can't receive salvation or healing for your family. You can't receive it for them. Receiving comes from God to you. I can receive it for me. I can receive it for my kids because they're under my jurisdiction. But I can't believe it for my neighbors. I can't receive it for those that are around me. I can't receive it for this congregation. I can help those that are true bona fide baby Christians and they can get it by, let's say, gifts of the Spirit or by my faith. But when it gets to a point that that person's starting to grow and mature in the Lord, I can no longer receive for them. Faith is designed for God to work through your life. And the more you learn about Him and about His Word, you have to receive for yourself. I can't receive that salvation for you. I can't receive your healing for you. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I remember one time my brother and I were called to go to a hospital and pray for a certain individual. And now as I look back upon this, this same thing that happened, I begin to realize that many questions were answered in my own personal life about faith. We were just young in the Lord, but I believe God. I know our brother here believes God. I believe God. I had an anointing of God inside of me that was just a joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'd do anything, go to any hospital, go to any place for Jesus. Do anything. And when she called and she was just learning about faith and she began to understand how faith worked. But she called from the hospital. She said that she had to have this operation and she was in terrible intense pain, etc., 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 that would we come. We came up to that hospital. We talked to the girl. Showed her that the Bible says in James, the fifth chapter, that if you call for the elders of the church, they'll anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if there be any sins, they'll be forgiven. So on and so forth. Well, that girl read that verse of Scripture. Now, listen to what I'm saying. She read that. She says, I see it. says it in the Bible. I see and know that it's true. Therefore, you go ahead, you anoint me with oil, and when you do, I will be healed. Now, wait a minute. What did Jesus say in Mark eleven twenty three? I didn't notice this. I didn't go in that hospital and say, Now, sister, if you will start saying that I'm healed, if you will start saying that I'm healed and I'm not sick, and keep on saying it until it goes away, everything will be okay. I didn't say that. I said to her, did you notice that it says right here in the Bible, in the fifth chapter of James, you see what it says there? Yes, I see that. What do you think about it? Now listen to me. See, when we first get involved in faith, people are so on fire, they just want to run off and get everybody to believe what they believe. I like to make people believe, you know, 
the Word. Not just because I believe it, but because the Word says it. And they do go to any extreme, any length, just to get to them what they call the faith message. And so they go up and just say, just say you're not sick any longer and you'll be all right. We're going to pray and the Bible says this and you just start saying that you're healed and everything will be all right. I didn't say one word about that to her. I just said to her, you see what the Bible says? Yes, I see what the Bible says. Oh, what are you going to do about it? She says, you anoint me with oil and when you do, I will be healed. Mark 11, 23. Whatever you believe and doubt not in your heart, but believe and say those things that you are saying will come to pass. Is that what it says? Therefore, believe you receive and you shall have. You know what that girl did? See, you try to make people do what this girl did. I'll tell you what she did. I want to show you the faith of this young lady. She lay back in that bed after we prayed and she says, Glory to God, now I'm healed. I didn't tell her to say that. I didn't try to make her say that. She said, Glory to God, I am healed and I'm going home. There was still pain. It was still there. She had a huge cyst on her ovaries. They had to call a specialist in. Because if it was malignant and that sort of thing, they had to remove it. And it was dangerous. And so he checked her many times. And was preparing her for surgery. She didn't stop there. We left. She whispered over to the lady in the next bed. I'm healed and I'm going home. I didn't tell her to say that. But can't you hear Jesus whispering in the background? Whatever you believe in your heart, and confess it to your mouth and say it, bless God, you'll have it. So if you believe those things, you receive those things when you pray, you shall have them. It's still there. She's in pain. But she, she leans over to the lady in the next bed. Now this lady, she thinks that this girl has flipped. And she says, What's the matter with you? Who told you you was going home? They came and prayed. The Word of God said, if they pray, and I believe, then I will be healed. I believe they prayed. I believe I received. I believe I'm healed. I'm going home. The Word said so. See, you try to make people do that. That's the right principle. But I can't make you do that or believe that. She did it because she saw it in the Word. Not because I told her to say it. Or my brother told her to say it. And it, the day went on. And she told her again, I'm going home. Bless God, I'm going home. Because I'm healed. And that lady kept, she says, finally, she says, you know, you're just driving me, she's just driving me crazy. She's just pretty. She said, this is what she said. I won't believe you're going home until the doctor or the nurse tells me that you're going home. I won't believe it. Now, she was of a, of a denomination. She was not a full gospel lady. Well, before we had left, and I wasn't going to get into this part, but I will. Before we left, we had asked her also, could we pray for you? Because she said she was saved. I said, but could we pray for you? I don't believe like you believe. You can't make somebody believe like you believe. You can show them what the Word says, but you can't make them believe like you believe. And so I just said, okay, sister, if you don't want us to pray for you, well, I won't offend you. We'll just leave. You know, praise God. And so we left. And this all took place after we left. Well, the doctor comes in. The nurse comes in. Says, we're all set now. You're ready to go. One more test for malignancy. So you're ready. We'll just check you over. And you have your operation. She's in the background just knowing what she knows. Go ahead and check, doctor. Well, the lady in the next bed, in the meantime, she's gone for tests. And she doesn't know that she's being checked by the doctor. Well, the specialist does the same thing. He checks her one time. And the nurse is just standing in the background. He checks her second time. A little sweat on his brow. He checks her the third time. And the nurse, by this time, she's going, you know. Fourth time. Checks her again the fourth time. And finally, she just says, Doctor, what's the matter? Said nurse, it's gone. <laughs> now, isn't this a re normal reaction of, a, you know, someone in that profession? Not because of her. You know what she said? 
Well, you want me to send her down for tests? Prepare her for surgery? Lucy had a little sense. She said, for what? There's nothing there. Didn't you hear me? It's gone. He says, I'm a specialist. I checked her every day this week. I know how big it was. I know where it was. It's gone. 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 They left the room. Now, beloved, I can't make your faith work. I didn't make her faith work that way. That was that woman's faith that was working like that. She believed it and she said it and didn't care who else didn't believe it in the world. Even the lady in the next bed. Well, in the meantime, they leave. She comes back into her bed. The lady in the next bed. And she goes, glory to God, I'm going home. She says, I told you I'm not going to believe you're going home until the nurse or the doctor tells me. She didn't know that she was checked by the nurse and the doctor. She says, bless God, I'm going home. I know I'm going home. And you can even ask the nurse or the doctor if you want to. I'm going home. She, she took up on it and she asked the nurse. Next time she walked in, she goes, is she going home? And, and she said, yeah. The doctor came in and checked her. And it was all gone. She's going home. And the lady in the next bed, now this one's facing terrible surgery. Okay? You know what she said? I don't believe like you believe. I've got to have an operation. You know what the other one said? What she said? She said, bless God, the Word said it. I believe it. I'm going home. Well, she got what she said because she believed what she said. And the lady in the next bed, she had to go through terrible surgery. But before the sister went home, the one in the next bed took her by the you know, just there, and she said, would you please pray for me before, I, before you leave? And she said, yes, I will. But you see, all she could do is just pray that the Lord would help her in her operation, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you what, beloved, I'd rather go the way she went. I would rather go home the way she went, and I'd know, but not have that be cut open. Amen? But listen to me. She got exactly what those scriptures said. She got exactly what Jesus said. But she applied it. She appropriated it. She acted upon it. She believed it. Faith works for you. I couldn't receive that for her. Our faith is only there and praise God for that. They were acting upon God's Word and yes, we know that, that faith works that way. And there are gifts of the Spirit that work in a different way. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you as an individual. If the only way I can get my deliverance or my healing or whatever is by going to some great evangelistic meeting and having somebody have a gift of the Spirit in operation, what happens during the week when there's no meetings and something comes on me? But if I can develop my faith to such an extent that I can receive from heaven myself, well then, blessed be God, I just get it by myself. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You see... Now, that woman got it because she, what she believed in her heart and what she said. And if you'll stop and analyze any other, anybody else that God got it by faith, it's because they believed it in their heart and they said it with their mouth and they acted upon what they believed. And they got it. Now, that's just one incident. You've got a whole lot more to go through. I mean, a whole lot more. Uh, we can go on, but we've only got three minutes to get them all in. So, we, we can't do that. But listen to me. All I'm going to say is this, for right now. I want you to close your ears to all the opposition and all the things you've been hearing about faith. I want you to close your ears and just act as though you never heard faith preached before. And you're just going to sit down and listen to what God's Word is really saying to us. How we can appropriate the blessings. How we can mix faith with the gospel so the gospel will be profitable unto us. How you can have your needs met. How you can touch heaven for that touch of healing when you need it. How you can reach out to the Master when you have a financial need and receive it by faith. How you can get your loved ones into the family of God by using your faith and how to use your faith. How you can really understand how to appropriate what is called the message of faith According to God's Word, I see a need for it, a dire need for it. And so, as I said, we're going to start here. We're going to produce many, many, many instances and many, many scriptures that will affirm and reaffirm 
everything that we're saying and been saying right on through the last three years. Faith is part and parcel of the gospel. Faith works, but it's got to be understood and appropriated from the heart. Amen? Well, whenever we talk about this subject, I could never quit. Seem like I never want to stop. But I'll stop. You know why I want to stop? To let the Spirit of God show us that He's alive. That the Word works. And the Word will work for you today. It'll work for you right here in this place right now. Right now. It'll work for you. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.